Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, and I'm Roberta Radovich, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On, broadcasting live from WFHB radio station located in Bloomington, Indiana. We're a multiple award-winning show, now in our 15th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio committed to exploring the issues of people and events impacting African Americans in the state and beyond. Good evening, and I am Nordia McNish. Tonight, we have representatives from the Bloomington Hannah Center, a nonprofit ministry serving women, their partners, and families who are seeking help in making decisions about their pregnancy and related concerns. They're here to talk about their wide array of services along with ways to eliminate racial and socioeconomic disparities in maternal and infant mortality. If the fact that the United States has the highest maternal and infant mortality rates among comparable developed countries isn't bad enough, the survival rates for African-American mothers and their infants are even more dismal. African-Americans across the income spectrum and from all lifestyles are dying from preventable pregnancy-related complications at three to four times the rate of non-Hispanic white women, while the death rate for black infants is twice that of infants born to non-Hispanic white mothers. We have invited Katherine Lamke, Marketing Assistant and Social Media Manager with the Hannah Center, and Shalanda Bledsoe, a registered doula who works closely with the Hannah Center to join us for a conversation on their agency services. Ladies, welcome to Bring It On. Katherine, would you like to share with our listeners a little bit about what the Hannah Center, what the Hannah Center does, and what it provides to the community here in Bloomington. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're a nonprofit organization, and we um, basically provide wraparound care for clients that come in. Um, We provide material support, so diapers, wipes, formula, clothing um, that are completely free. Uh, We do counseling, um, case management, uh, prenatal and childbirth classes, really anything that you would need as um, a parent or a grandparent or, you know, if you're raising a child. Um, So one of the things that we feel like is most important is just breaking down any barriers that would keep you from receiving help. So if it's income, like you you don't make enough to make ends meet, but you make just a little bit too much to be on, you know, different forms of government assistance, we make sure we meet those needs. So um, it's not income-based. There's no form of you don't have to prove anything to get um, care, you know, um, clothes, diapers, everything we provide is completely free. We use a system called Baby Bucks. Um, basically, you can receive Baby Bucks by um, going to prenatal prenatal, um, doc, prenatal appointments or smoking cessation classes or going to a church, you know, really anything that can kind of further in further your health and further your baby's health. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And I think one thing that is really important is um, making sure that people understand like how much we can do, that we're not just here for pregnancy, that we're not just here for, you know, um, the white young girl that has an unplanned pregnancy. We're here for like mm-hmm. the 30 year old Latinx woman that, you know, has not, you know, had a kid in years and is scared and doesn't know what to do, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, sometimes it is a 14 year old girl that is a pastor's daughter. It was not, you know, it was not expected. And then sometimes we have, you know, young families that are married and, you know, but dad lost his job. You know, it's it's a very wide array of clients um, being in Bloomington. You know, we have so many international students that come in. Um, and so we have a lot of people from very different ethnicities or religions. You know, there's no there's nothing that's going to keep us from serving who needs to be served. Now, the Hannah Center recently went through a different a name change, is yes. that correct? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and yeah. what precipitated the name change? Yeah, absolutely. So we were called Crisis Pregnancy Center since 1986 until, I believe, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, we changed the name because we felt like it didn't reflect and it kind of gave it gave um, a feeling of, you know, we just focus on pregnancy. We just focus on okay. the pregnancy test or people that are abortion-minded. You know, that's kind of the stigma around that name. And so we wanted to um, change it because, one, we have a maternity home called Hannah House Maternity Home, and it's, I think, a very, regardless of, you know, people's affiliation of, um, you know, where they are in the community or where they lie politically or anything like that, Hannah House is a pretty well-respected organization and I think people you know care about what we do in the maternity home and so we wanted to just make sure we reflected that with our name the Hannah Center Um, and now are you still in the same location as what it was previously the crisis center yes we're still at 808 North College Um, our maternity home is in a uh, uh, Queen Victorian home it was actually the president of IU William O'Brien's house um, so it required a lot of uh, construction when we first bought, you know, the land because there were no hallways in it. That was not something that Victorian houses had. Um, but now we can house up to eight women and their babies okay. um, up until six months. Okay. Um, and, you know, throughout that, there's case management and we teach them life skills and right. things like that. So, so speaking of the case management, uh, Shalanda Bledsoe <laughs> is here, and I know that you work very closely with that direct delivery of service. You want to share with us a little bit about how you got into that work and what inspires you to, oh boy, pull up the <laughs> sleeves. And it's not an easy job, I know that. Um, I think that what got me into it was my own experience. I was a homeless mommy. Um, I spent a year and a month homeless. I lived in a shelter with my son. And I, when I left there, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Like this is, this is, this is my calling. This is, this is it. Because I never wanted anyone to feel like I felt. And that was alone. Mm-hmm. I never wanted any mommy to feel like she was alone or abandoned or how am I going to do this? And I knew if 
I could do it, I could encourage other mommies to do it. Right. And so I started volunteering. At the Hannah Center, I went over as a volunteer. Um, and I wasn't there very long. And then they were like, we need you to stay on. <laughs> yeah. and, and so from there, I started working at the Hannah Center, at the Hannah House. The Hannah House opened, and I became the case manager there. Oh, cool. Um, earlier we were talking about um, giving a, a description of what a doula really is, because I think there is some misconception as to what a doula does. So if you can expound on that a little bit, okay. just to explain um, what is a doula and what a, a doula actually is able to do. Well, a doula is a support person that supports the mommy in any decisions that she wants to make during her labor. So if she wants to have an unmedicated birth, I am going to support her in having that unmedicated birth. If she decides that she wants to be medicated, I'm going to support that. So I'm her advocate. I'm the one that stands by her and says, this is, this is what we're going to do. We, I work with her to do a birth plan going into her labor. We sit down together and say, what are the things that you would like to see happen during your birth? And she tells me. And so when we go to the hospital, I advocate for those things. Oh, so you do work with patients even if they do end up going to the hospital? Absolutely. Okay. Because I always thought that it was just a doula. A doula is somebody that just works in homes or in little rural communities that people can, that regular hospital um, is like too far away, so it's more convenient to be, you know, it's kind of like you work in a small area. So I guess there was some misconceptions of that because I didn't know that um, doulas go as far as to um, advocate even in the hospital setting for, um, for people. Yes. So I'm there from beginning to end. From the moment mommy goes into labor, I'm there. I'm there when the baby is delivered. Um, I support her in just whatever she is wanting. And how important is that, Shalanda, do you feel when we're talking about especially young women or women of color in these hospital settings? Um, It's very important because these mommies go in and you're already in pain. You're already, there's so much emotionally going on. So as a doula, I'm kind of that, I stand in the gap for you. So where you feel you don't have any decisions or you don't have any power, I kind of encourage you and tell you you do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this. You don't, if you don't want an epidural, you don't have to have that epidural. If you don't want to have a cesarean and if there is nothing medically saying that you have to have a cesarean, we don't have to do that. It's like you give them permission to get in touch with their yes. their mother senses, exactly. their, yes. their, their gut. Um, yes, you give them a sense of agency to let them feel like they're the decision makers in their life. And it doesn't matter how the, um, the hospital might seem intimidated with who's there. Um, they should know that they have the choice. They have the last word. They get to decide regardless of what somebody else who might think that they have the authority yes. um, would do. So I, I think that is awesome. 
Yeah, I think it's very important because, like you were saying, like especially black women and Latina women and just women of color in general, they're already at, I would say, almost a disadvantage being treated in hospital, any, any type of medical setting. And so they already walk in and they doctors already have biases in their head and they already they already are wanting to pressure for an epidural. They're already wanting to, already wanting to pressure for, right. you know, inducing you when you don't necessarily need to be. And and as the introduction stated, these incredible health disparities mm. with infant mortality, I often wonder, I'm just speculating, um, but I'm, I'm often wondering if a doula doesn't, wouldn't help incredibly reduce mm-hmm. that, uh, that tendency or that um, disparity. And as a doula, like 25%, uh, 50%, there is a decrease in cesareans. The cesarean rate goes down 50% when a doula is involved. Mm -hmm. So just being, me being in the room and a doctor saying cesarean, we can rule that out Mm -hmm. if I can work with that mommy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and get her in a better position. And it would would seem it would go the other direction as well, that the doctor or the nursing staff would have sort of a translator between Mm -hmm. their their patient and um, themselves with the doula as well, right? So the doula is there to advocate for the patient, for the young woman, the mommy, but then there's also that comfort level that what the mommy really needs to hear Mm -hmm. is what is getting through um, from that professional Mm -hmm. nursing and and doctor staff as well. I always kind of look at like when Shalanda talks about being a doula, it Mm -hmm. definitely reminds me of just like, that motherly guidance mm-hmm. of, you know, someone that's just focused on you, that cares about what you need is right. not, okay, the doctor's telling you this and this and this and this and this, and the nurse wants to do this and blah, blah, blah. You know, she'll take into account, okay, if there's a medical necessity for this, but I think it she it just shows she just loves them and she cares for like, okay, you're going to have the birth that you want, you know? If you don't want a C-section, we're not we're not going to let him bully you into this, you know, because, you know, exactly like she was saying, like, you don't feel like you have the power to say no, because, well, what what, what do I know? He's the doctor. Well, what do I know? You know, I should just listen. But no, you have, you have every right over your body. You have this autonomy. And I think Shalonda works extremely hard to make sure that all of her, all of her mommies know that. Mm -hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with um, staff representatives uh, from the Hannah Center here in Bloomington, Catherine and Shalanda. They are joining us tonight to share a little bit more about um, the service that's available here in Bloomington for families, for mothers. What's the most surprising service at the Hannah Center that nobody would think that that is part of the holistic vision of helping create healthy families, healthy moms and babies? Um, I would say one of them that people just don't think of is grief counseling after a miscarriage. Mm. And that's a very hard resource to come come around. Um, People just don't realize it's the death of a child. You're losing a child. And I think moms are they feel like they need to deal with it alone it's a very complex form of emotion 
Um, and I think it's something that can be really, really hard to open up about because you don't know who's going to say what, you know, well, oh, you should have done this or, oh, you should have done that. But it's just a very compassionate, you know, almost every staff member has experienced that. And they'll, they're coming at it from a point of view of just, I know you're hurt. I know your pain. And we're going to help you learn how to cope with it. And I think that's something that people don't think of. It's like, you know, pregnancy, yes, miscarriages are, you know, a big part of it. But, you know, there's very few places even in Bloomington that handles that besides, you know, you'd have to go just to a therapist. And, you you know, if you're a single mom, you can't afford therapy. It's like $300 a session. There's no way you're going to do that, you know. Um, so I think it's a really surprising thing that we do that, you know, a lot of moms come to us and be, you know, they're talking about in their intake of I had a miscarriage and I don't think I've dealt with it or, you know, things like that. And it's like, oh, we can help you with that. Um, and I think that's something. Really um, I also think another um, surprise for people because we are a Christian nonprofit. People don't um, realize that we do counseling for abortion. Absolutely. Um, we support mommies that have gone through an abortion. I mean, we have staff mm-hmm. that have had abortions. Um, and so people don't expect that from us. They immediately think that we would not support, you know, but that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Either way you look at it, it's a loss. And so um, we're there to help build you up. We're there to help hold your hand, give you a hug, mm-hmm. and tell you it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And and how can we walk with you through this? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what is the staffing like at Hannah Center? I mean, you are the marketing manager. Mm-hmm. We have doulas. So what other um, kind of staff positions held at, uh, at the facility that yeah. helps support women? Yeah, absolutely. So um, from, like, administrative level, we have our, our executive director and our agency director, and they handle donations because we're nonprofit we are completely donation run from material support to monetary donations churches are huge huge um, you know thing that holds us up as as a ministry Um, so they cover that and you know working with other community community organizations Um, and then from a client care level we have our client care director Christy um, and she handles material support and you know, she does a lot of the intakes and she works with clients. She does a lot of the classes along with Shalonda. Shalonda's involved in pretty much everything <laughs> in, in the center, I feel like. Um, and then we also have one thing that we do also as well is Children's Place, which I forgot to touch on that earlier. Um, it's basically like, it looks kind of like a mini daycare place. So it's very fun, lots of toys and stuff. Um, and it's just where... Um, clients can take their kids while they're shopping and material support. So they, you know, it's hard to hard to get diapers and like go through onesies and get the stuff that you need when you've got a four-year-old clawing at you. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to take that, that extra bit of stress off of just, you know, here's a half hour of just getting what you need and like talking with the staff and talking with other clients and just building a sense of community while your kids are being loved and, and cared on, you know? Right. Um, so we have our... Ch- our uh, children's place um, coordinator in there. Um, we have lots of material. We have quite a few material support assistants, um, and they're helping just carry the bins back and forth. They're helping 
with helping clients get the items that they need. Um, and now are some of these roles volunteer roles? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. especially material support is volunteer. Mm-hmm. Children's Place, we have volunteers. Um, volunteers are like the bread and butter. Yes. You know, we have we have a very small staff. It's eight people. Okay. Um, and we, we really need volunteers to help keep material support running. Um, so... That's a huge need. Um, we have our Hannah House director, uh, Liz Franklin. Um, she worked at Middleway for a really long time, and we were we, we love Middleway, and we refer back and forth quite a bit, but we were very happy when we snagged her. Um, <laughs> she has been a great addition to the staff. Um, and right now we're looking for residential advocates for um, Hannah House. So we had to close for a while for repairs because it is a Victorian home. Um, but we're ready. We're ready to be taking mommies, but we're just waiting for the staffing. Okay. So if you know anybody that's over 21, because okay. they've got to be able to be on our insurance and mm-hmm. stay. But basically, you're just with the moms at the maternity home, you know, just being with them, you know, becoming friends, becoming, you know, in a very uh, friends, friends in a Clients. professional way. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but just building relationships, yes. you know, and. Um, we have like the, the evening and week evening part-time positions. We have full-time positions. We have an, um, an overnight position as well. That's a live-in position, um, which is really great for college students. Um, you kind of just, you stay, we give you living for free at the maternity home. And if there's like an emergency or a mommy is, you know, going into labor, you wake up and you get paid by the hour. So we have a lot of different wide areas. We have parents that um, they're stay-at-home moms, and then when their husband gets home from work, they go and they do part-time residential advocate at the Hannah House. So it's really, really cool. We can work. We have senior citizens that come in and help. They need blankets. Um, we have kids that come in with their parents that work in, you know, sorting and folding clothes. So there's really, like, a wide array of, you know, we can fit people in anywhere. And before the show started, we were talking about how diverse your staff actually yes. is and how proud of that you are. You want to share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Where's, okay. where's, where's the, where's, are there people from outside of Bloomington who know about the Hannah Center who come and want to plug in and be part of it just because of the amazing work that's being done here? Yeah. So on the line of just diversity, that's something that's very, very important to us. So throughout the last you know, really since we started, but it's been anywhere from at least over half the entire time is women of color. And that's something wow. that we find is really, really important because it's hard to go in someplace and just see nobody like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm white, so I don't understand that feeling. You know, I, I can I can try to understand it as much as I can, but really my job is just to be there to elevate your voices, elevate, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not my role is to speak for you. It's to, you know, but I can see that, that hurt and that pain of just, okay, well, here's another, you know, middle-aged white woman that's telling me what I'm doing with my life is wrong. Like, that's not helpful. And so I think just seeing somebody that knows what it's like to be a black single mother, like that is something that, you know, people don't, often understand like just the level of barriers and the level of discrimination and things like that so um I think that's really important um but yeah we get clients from all over we um especially like Green County Green County a lot of clients from there really anywhere we serve pretty much every county we've served 
we've served people from every county in Indiana. Oh, that's what um, I was going to ask about that. Are there kind of boundaries around your yeah. service delivery area? Really, mm. people, you know, people from Chicago will call us and be like, mm. we've got a mom here that doesn't have a place to live and they'll move and they'll move into our maternity home. Um, we've had uh, moms come from California. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. We've had moms come from other countries. Yeah. Wow. To stay at the Hannah House uh, that are fleeing domestic mm-hmm. violence or um, just abuse in mm-hmm. every way. Have this, you know, and they will call us and say, I have this mommy who just landed and she needs somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. And she's pregnant and, and we need to get her a safe place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, um, I can't remember the organization, but it was a human rights organization, and they had rescued a girl, um, and she was pregnant, um, and she was, you know, they had rescued her from hu- human trafficking, and they were the organization that they called, or we were the organization that they called, and wow. so that was just, um, it was a very difficult case, obviously, but it was something, it was like, okay, like, we're we're getting our name out there and we're being respected as like, you know, mm-hmm. people know that they can, they can, anybody can come and we're going to give you proper care. So that mm-hmm. was, I think something that nobody would expect is like, you know, human trafficking victims from other countries are coming to stay at Hannah house um, and receive care. Well, walk, walk me through what the um, initial procedure is for somebody to just, you know, walk into Hannah house, you know, what is the, what how, what kind of procedure do they have to go through when they enter Hannah House? I know something, if a young woman was to come, go into a strange place, you know, it might feel overwhelming, might feel like, you know, you know, do I want the atmosphere can mm-hmm. can shape how the person feel and how comfortable they are to um, more express what is happening in their situation to get the help. So, um, like, walk me through what the procedure is for somebody who comes in for help. So um, for Hannah House, what we do is it's an application. Um, We'll first have that mommy do an application with us. We'll schedule an initial interview, kind of just to sit down and and get to know her and what is her situation and how can we help. After we go through that first initial interview, of course, we have to do background checks. We have to do things like that just to make sure that, you know, if especially if we have other residents, we have to keep them safe as well. So we're going to sit down with her. We're going to do the background checks. We're going to do the drug screens. Um, And then once we get through that, we'll go to the next interview where staff will sit down and kind of staff that mommy and say, okay, does this mommy look like she is a good candidate for the house? Um, we will then call you and call that mommy in and have another initial interview. Um, and then we'll schedule a moving date. Mm. So uh, we do a tour of the house so that she can get comfortable to see where she's going to live. Because if it was me, I'm not going to come <laughs> and say, okay, well, you can come live here and I've never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing too is um, a lot of our residents, I would say the majority, are already material support clients. Mm-hmm. So that is a really good thing of like, they already know the staff, they know what we do, they have relationships with us. And then you just walk 15 feet, you know, <laughs> and then that's Hannah House. Um, so I think that's really nice too, yeah. is you know, then they, they keep coming over and they, you know, they live at Hannah House, but then they come over for their diapers and wipes, you know? And so 
it's this really like this sense of just like wraparound community. And I think that's one thing is just it's not, you know, we have two separate buildings, Hannah House and the Hannah Center, but it's very much one, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the staff, Hannah House staff and Hannah Center staff is very much one. There's not a, you know, there's not fight over funding. There's not fights over okay, am I going to get this? Am I going to get what I need for my... Are they two separate entities? They're, th- they're the yes. same. Yeah. Well, they're basically, they're two separate buildings, but they are... It's like one... Yeah. One, one organization. One organization. Yes. Okay. So they're two different buildings. It's like basically like two programs under an okay. organization, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, we have material support and then we have the Hannah House. So um, I think that's you know, you're not coming in very, I mean, there are times where someone is just coming in there for the first time and don't know anybody that are, that's moving in. But, you know, most of the time they, at least they know us and um, they trust us at that point. But there are times where um, we've had parents that their daughter got pregnant and they just come and they drop her off and they say, you either get an abortion or you move out. And if they don't get an abortion, you know, they're now in hand house. Um, or cases where it's just like, we just, we don't have the money, you know? And so there's lots of different experiences for being in Hannah House. Um, but our main goal is just to make sure that you're safe and you feel welcomed. Mm-hmm. We've had moms come from jail, mm-hmm. um, go to court, and the judge says, um, you go to Hannah House or you go to jail. And of course, they may have they may have no idea what hen house is, but the judge is like, I feel like you you would do better there than you would do incarcerated, and so we've had mommies come straight from court to the hen house. Right, and that is a whole other different thing. Yes. Um, we are going to take a short musical break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about kind of the reality of getting just dropped off at the Hannah Center. <laughs> and let's talk about the future of the Hannah Center. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the classes. Let's let's get down a little deeper into yeah. um, your everyday life there mm-hmm. at the center. So let's just take a break, quick break and we'll come right back.
You just heard Isn't She Lovely by the world-renowned singer, songwriter, and producer Stevie Wonder. Now back to our conversation with Shalanda Bledsoe and Catherine Lemke, marketing assistant and social media manager with the Hannah Center. And Shalanda is a registered doula who works closely with the Hannah Center and in various, various different roles, <laughs> as I know so very well. We were talking just before we took a break um, about dis- the, the disparities and the just being sort of dropped off at the Hannah Center. Let's pick back up with that and, and talk about that a little bit more. I think that um, most of our clients right now, you know, with the opioid crisis, right? Um, that's one of the biggest disparities. We have so many moms that are coming in with substance abuse issues mm-hmm. and um, that's scary when you're pregnant. Um, there's DCS, you know, and DCS is is Department of Family and Children. Yes, and having them, are they going to be called on me because I'm now pregnant? Um, will I get to keep my baby after I have my baby? Mm-hmm. And so, what Hannah House does is we kind of we wrap around you and 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 help you. We connect you with places like Centerstone, uh, the Amethyst House, uh, getting you in AA, uh, getting you in things that can help you stay sober and stay clean while you wait for your baby to come. Uh, We are a sober living place that we do not allow drugs or alcohol in the facility at all. So when you come in, you we do let our clients know, yes, here you have to you have to have a sober living lifestyle mm-hmm. here at the Hen House because we want you to have a healthy baby. Right. We want you to be healthy and we want your child to be healthy. I think one thing is that we Yes, we do the drug screens and we say, you know, that's yeah. very important, but we're not just going to be like, you need to get clean right now or we right. won't take you. It's okay, you're going to be in the house and then we're going to work to you getting clean because it's not an overnight thing. And so one thing that's um, method-assisted treatment or me- me- medication-assisted treatment, sorry, mm-hmm. method-assisted. Um, and it's very hard to get for pregnant moms it because is. basically – there is Suboxone, methadone, things like that, that are basically opioid antagonists that just cut any sort of um, high that you would get from an opioid. And they're hard to get. Um, People say, oh, it's just fueling one addiction with another. However, Suboxone is one of the very few medication-assisted treatments for opioid addiction that is safe for pregnant women. Right now, there are no people in Bloomington that are prescribing to pregnant moms, at least as of a year ago. So what we were doing is we were driving a a Hannah House resident up to Ellettsville or Jefferson, Indiana, um, to get her Suboxone treatments so that she could have, you know, a baby that wasn't addicted to opioids when they were born. And she could have a, you know, she, she could, you know, break that cycle of addiction. And so, you know, it's not an, you know, you got to get clean right now. We're going to work, as she was saying, in a very wraparound way with Centerstone to help make sure that, you know, you're as healthy as you can be. Um, and I think that is really important. And, you know, whenever you have drug addictions, like you aren't going to your prenatal appointments, you know, you don't, 
some people only they, they've been pregnant and they're like six months along and they've never gone to the doctor for it because they're so afraid of like their baby being taken away as Shalanda mentioned and I think that's something that's really scary um, and I think one thing that I also wanted to touch on is that you know it is very scary the thought of DCS um, or we do have moms that they've already had two or three children taken away but that doesn't mean that your next child has to be you know yeah. we're going to figure out okay what does DCS want what is your case manager asking for what what did they want from you in order to say that you're fit to be you know, you know the guardian of your child and so we're going to work directly with them to make sure that we reach all of those you know requirements of like okay you need to have you know gone to this this therapy session you need to have anger management classes or you need to have you know baby basics done knowing how to treat for how to care for an infant or you need to be clean or you need to you know mm -hmm. all these different things we're going to make sure that you meet those mm -hmm. so that you can maintain custody of your child mm -hmm. because I think especially if you're coming in being a pregnant black woman that's addicted to opioids like why are you going to ask for help every time you ask for help you get the cops called on you you know and so we try to we try to make sure that hey this is this is a safe place you know there are times where it's like okay if there's abuse present you know those are the times where we do have to step in mm -hmm. but you know if you're pregnant and you need help we're going to be there and so and what the system seems to mandate as simple like complete this class or complete this yeah. thing might seem so simple but it is a hardship oh, or there yeah. are barriers right to yes and the system itself can can in in saying that they're helping could uh, um, could also add more barriers to somebody's Absolutely. life because if a, a pregnant woman is concerned that you know she might lose her child and then there is a situation with DCS you know th the whole process of dealing with DCS can be seen as an overwhelming mm -hmm. thing and added stress and mm -hmm. added pressure and you know and that can be a deterrent from seeking help because of that reason because you know I I'm already stressed and you know I'm already trying to deal with whatever I'm trying to keep my baby or make this big decision and then there's like added things yes. so it's kind of like um, finding out if the Hannah Center would be supportive in that way and, and in what way can they be supportive in making the mom feel more comfortable in saying okay this is really a safe place and they are aware of these situations in which there are decisions that you have to make on your own and you know just knowing that their support is there yeah I think one thing is also making sure our clients know their rights like you have a right to confidentiality. Yes. You know, that's something that if you are from maybe a low income family where you've been, you know, <laughs> like the cycle of poverty, the cycle of addiction, you aren't being taught those things very much, you know, or, or systemically, you know, not having an understanding of what you deserve and what you have a right to is used to oppress you. You know, sorry, that was a very roundabout way of saying that. But do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so mm -hmm. I think that's one thing a very important is like um, there have been incidents where clients have had, you know, DCS workers breaking confidentiality. And it's like, oh, they're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to get you fired. This could get you killed. Mm -hmm. You know, incidents like that of you have a right to confidentiality. You have a right to know this this and this you know and so I think that's also really important is just 
being able not only to I think one thing that's really important is just like yes it's really really nice to have all the support at once like you know I think sometimes people think of Hannah House as like okay we're gonna have a lot of care for like six to eight months and it's gonna be great and then I get out and this is true for a lot of like shelters you know oh or you know there are some maternity homes where they have nannies that come in and take care of the children and then they have maids that come in and clean the house and then they have chefs that come in and cook and that's great you know it's that's a resort that's not teaching you how to raise a child and how to keep a household so I think that's one thing of just like we're not just helping you in the in the short term we're trying to set you up for how to do this on your own like not that we're going to leave you but like I think that's one thing is like it's not just people doing stuff for you it's teaching you the skills you need to know it's to succeed for the long in term for the yeah. long exactly term. it's for the long term because a nanny is not reality yep <laughs> for some yeah for a lot for a yeah for a lot a nanny is not reality um getting someone chauffeuring you around is not reality you know the bus is real <laughs> you know and how do you work that joker? how do you work that? <laughs> that's what Shalanda teaches and that's what I teach so when they come in I'm their case manager so we're gonna sit down and a lot of mommies come in with a laundry list mm-hmm. uh, hoops that they have to jump you're doing this. I need you to go to probation. I need you to go and meet with your DCS case manager. I need you to also go sign up because there is possible mental health issues. So you need to go now to Centerstone. I need you also to sign up for X, Y, Z, LMNO, and P. <laughs> yes. And so you have this mommy that is stressed. Like you said, she's stressed out. And she's like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. She's come from a background. No one's taught her Mm -hmm. how to budget money. Mm -hmm. No one has taught her how to even go get a bank account. Mm -hmm. We get mommies that don't even know what a checking account is or how to cook. So we, when they come into Hannah House, we are teaching them the basic life skills. Whether they had a baby or not. Whether they had a baby or not. Because we have 40-year-old women that come in that don't know how to meal plan and like that sounds like a very like oh that's really like i don't even know how to meal plan at at sometimes it's a very overwhelming thing but like they don't know how to do anything other than chicken nuggets for every single meal breakfast lunch and dinner and yes there's a level of survival but there's also a level of like having quality of life of like your children having like good nutrition of mm-hmm. of bathing them of you know here's how to handle work school and your children's activities all these different things that like we think about sometimes like I know I get overwhelmed at my life but it's like I'm a middle-class white person that has had the privilege of two parents that are have graduated college and I get overwhelmed with life I cannot I feel like I hope this doesn't come across as very like um What's the word? Privileged. Privileged. <laughs> well, well, no, I am privileged. I think that's the thing. That's it, that's it. But I hope I'm not coming across as being very like, eh. Um, but like, I can't imagine just the stress of that with having a child and having the system working against you. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Like, things are built to go in my favor. Things are not built to go into the 15-year-old 
like Latina. Well, you have cultural paper. capital. <laughs> yes. Right. With with privilege, with middle class. I mean, I have we have educated kids now. Shalanda. Yeah. Nor- we all have we are all sitting here with educated kids and those kids are not going to have to navigate systems that maybe even these three women sitting at this table yes. have had to navigate. Mm-hmm. And that's because they have cultural capital. You we've created communities around mm-hmm. our children, resources and networks. And I think that that is beautifully um, one of the most important components of the, the, the services that are there at Hannah mm-hmm. Center is to really, truly plug in that notion in one's, in a mommy's mind and in her soul that she's part of a larger community. Yes. She mm-hmm. is not alone. Yeah. And I think that that's what health disparities or cultural incompetencies or biases or these things lead people to feel they are alone in their yeah. situation. Well, I think it's like it there are a lot of complex systems of why people of color are oppressed, but I think one thing that can just have an immediate change is just getting people of color in higher positions. Like we've got doula, we've got doula. You are doula now. You are doula. You are doula. <laughs> but like, we need more black doulas. We need more black right. doctors. Mm-hmm. We need more black social workers. We right. need more, you know, like we yeah. need people to see themselves in this, you know, like it's the level of oppression. It's not always us versus them. Right. You know, it's okay. We've got people that are fighting for justice from the inside right. you know of for clients to see people like themselves but also for the staff and the workers to be able to have a diverse experience uh-huh. so that there's that co-teaching yeah. of cultural competency expectations that's happening mm-hmm. organically yeah. as well too right yeah. um i'm in school for um human services right now and um you know you're always at the beginning it's very much confidentiality and bias Mm -hmm. is like the two main things that you're always learning about. Um, And so I think it, knowing unconscious bias and knowing that it's very hard to apply that and it's hard to be self-reflective, but I think if you're in an environment where you can see like direct, like the results of like, oh, this is what happens when people are biased. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, this is very real. And I think that can be like, like you were saying, a Mm -hmm. teaching Mm -hmm. thing of just, you know, you do see the difference of, you know, right. how people are treated. And I think right. it's important. And, and you can also learn more for yourself of, you know, here's how I can make a difference in this situation. Right, because cultural competency isn't coddling somebody. Yeah. Right? I've seen oh, this firsthand so with so <laughs> Life is not, life is very hard and you're navigating these systems, but there is a very real set of consequences if you do not learn how to self-advocate yes. and learn how to navigate the systems. Um, and I've seen Shalanda do this in action in her own, yeah. you know, even with her own son. <laughs> Um, so because I, yeah. if you don't, if you don't learn these things, life will beat you up. Mm-hmm. Life takes no prisoners. And so I'm doing you a disservice if I'm not giving you the truth. I'm not, I'm doing you a disservice by always giving you a ride. I'm doing you a disservice by always babysitting. I'm doing you a disservice by cooking you food every time you say you're hungry. 
Um, so I'm doing you a disservice by giving you money every time you ask. Um, life will crush you because that's not real. Real life says you get a job, you learn how to navigate the bus, <laughs> you learn how to cook your baby food, right. you learn how to bathe your child. Because if you don't do these things, DCS will be at your mm. door. Um, and so then you'll be dealing with all these depravities that you are trying so hard to get away from or that you've grown up in. Mm. It's, you know, no one wants to have their child go through some of the things that they went through in life. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And so coming into Hannah House, our job, or coming into the Hannah House or the Hannah Center, our job is to teach you mm-hmm. how not to repeat mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And touching on that point, maybe we can speak more on the racial disparity in regards to high maternal and infant mortality rates and how what are you seeing as uh, somebody who how long have you worked at um, um, with the Hannah Center? It'll as be four years. So what what are you seeing in terms of racial disparity and um, how it affects the community of Bloomington? Um, I think that. The racial disparity and even the infant mortality and childbirth that's happening, um, how women are treated on, in the labor delivery, um, I think you don't see it until you see it. Mm. Um, the judgment, the um, not believing that you're in pain when you really are. Um, if you come in as a mommy that has a substance abuse issue, um, how you're looked at. She's fine. You know, she can handle it. That's not true. Um, Leaving you in the room for hours and not being checked on. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have to even speak on my own birthday experience. Um, I wouldn't wish anything that happened to me on someone um, complaining of pain. And I didn't even understand at that time that what was happening to me was they was not seeing a mommy that just gave birth. They were seeing an African-American woman complaining of pain. And we, she's fine. She's exaggerating. She's She's exaggerating. That's not, it's not that deep. Mm -hmm. And I was even at one point told to go back to my room. I'd be okay. Um, And then coming home from giving birth to my son and within a week, I couldn't breathe because I left the hospital with edema. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to the emergency room, being told that um, you have a cold. So there's this, um, there's a, there's a thought to whom much is given, mm-hmm. much is expected. And Shalanda, your story is so. As we wrap up here, yeah. this this bit, uh, we could go on and on. <laughs> and on. I think we need to have a part two, um, but. 
as somebody who has lived those experiences and now you can teach women how to um, move around, navigate, mm -hmm. negotiate, go over and under, <laughs> those kinds of experiences so that they can create healthier families and healthier yeah. babies. What, in, your, in the last one minute or so, what does that mean for you personally, Shalanda? It means for me empowering mm. and giving a voice to the Latino mommy, the African-American mommy, the Asian mommy. Um, you have a voice. And anyone that is your partner in this with you, they have a voice too. And use your voice. Don't let anyone stifle your voice. Use your voice because if you don't, they're going to do what they're going to do. Thank you, Shalanda and Catherine. Um, our thanks to Catherine Lamke and Shalana, Shalanda Bledsoe of the Hannah, Hannah Center. Um, both of you for being here to talk about the agency's services, along with ways to eliminate racial and socioeconomic disparities for mommies and their babies and their families. Um, there is a new documentary, and my colleague and I here are going to share a little bit with you about it. It's called The Color of Medicine, The History of Homer G. Phillips Hospital. And The Color of Medicine is a documentary capturing the untold story of the exceptional medical training of the African-American doctors and nurses at all of the Homer G. Phillips hospitals in St. Louis from 1937 until 1979. The Color of Medicine will be shown at the Buskirk Chumley Theater, 1114 East Kirkwood Avenue on Sunday, January 19, 2020 at 4 p.m. And this event is free. Dr. Earl U. Robinson Jr. and second generation physician alumnus, whose father was one of the first 27 interns to graduate from Homer G. Phillips, shares his personal story and the significance of the Homer G. Phillips Hospital's valuable part in African American story. Dr. Robinson will be present to discuss the film and answer questions after the screening. The Color of Medicine coincides with Martin Luther King Day celebrations in Bloomington. Dr. King's le legacy to eliminate the healthcare disparities um, of all forms of, and all forms of inequality, injustice in healthcare, and its most shocking and inhumane impact. The event is sponsored by the Medi Medicare for All Indiana and Indiana University School of Medicine in Bloomington and Students for a National Healthcare, SNAP. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringitonwfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB uh, new department, news department um, director, Kate Young. Tonight's board engineer was Chantelle LaFontaine.
Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker from WFHB. I'm Nordia McNish. And I'm Roberta Radovich. Tune in next Monday, January 20th at 6 p.m. for a special Bring It On. Dr. Martin Luther King Day broadcast with Dr. Melinda Abdullah, who is, who is a recognized expert on race, gender, class, and social movements, will be here along with being an original organizer of the Black Lives Matter movement right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.